Hello there, Wednesday fans across the globe. I'm Paddy Jones, and welcome to Al's AmeriCast on the beach edition. Over the next few weeks, we're going to handpick some of our favourite interviews we've done over the course of last season. So for those of you who have missed them, you can have a nice little snack-sized edition of the pod to keep you entertained while you're on your summer holidays. We sat down with some fantastic people in our first season and asked a lot of our American-born Wednesday fans the infamous question, how and why did you become a Wednesdayite? So from San Diego to New York, we've had a bunch of great guests and we're putting these chats out weekly until we return with the full team for pre-season in August. We're going to start a series, though, with ex-Wednesday midfield terrier James O'Connor, who is currently the manager of the US Second Division champions, Louisville City. It was an absolute honour to have James on the show. He was a true gentleman with some great insight to his time at Wednesday and his new life in the US. So I'm going to say goodbye for now, enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Bye. Okay, so we have a special guest on the line this week. We're very happy to have James O'Connor, ex-Sheffield Wednesday midfield terrier and current USL Championship Manager uh, for the Louisville City. Um, James, uh, welcome to Owls AmeriCast. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yep, good evening. Now it's a uh, pleasure to be on the show and uh, thanks for having me. So for some of our um, fans that may not know your Wednesday past, we've got a lot of new fans joining us from uh, America as well. Uh, you play for Stoke, West Brom, Burnley. You spent four years at Wednesday from 2008, over 150 appearances. Uh, you left in 2012 uh, to move to the States to play for Orlando City. Uh, and in 2015, became the head coach of uh, the USL side, Louisville City. And last year, like I said, you won the championship. So uh, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was a, a great year for us. So um, hopefully we can continue and uh, and go on and uh, have another successful year this year. Yeah, I'm actually and uh, actually... I'm a bit jealous that Patrick got to congratulate you first because I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually a big Louisville City supporter, and uh, I live up in Ohio, about three hours away. But uh, I made it down for about, oh fabulous. Yeah, I made it down for about five or six matches, uh, including all of the USL matches with, with FC Cincinnati, which uh, those are always fun to see. So um, very proud yeah, of you. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, no, it's it's, it's great. No, they're, they're massive games. The, the Cincinnati games obviously are, are huge. Not, not as big as the Sheffield Derby, but maybe, maybe <laughs> one day, you know, it would be nice. So yeah. we were going to ask you that about actually, was with the, uh, the Derby was last week. Do you manage to watch any of the game? Now myself and, and Sean McCauley actually are on the uh, the pro license, so we we were laughing. We were in the uh, on the course, and you know, we were, at every opportunity, we were, we were checking our phone to see how the game was going. Ideally, <laughs> we wanted to sit and watch it, but we we were stuck in the classroom, so we were we were trying to edge our bets and try to see could we get to see any of it. But we didn't manage to see it, but we were watching it from uh, from our phones and, and saw the results. So um, I think we, we had been enough for the draw in the end, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So you've played in a few uh, derbies yourself, haven't you? Including both of the games that we did the double over United in, in 2008-2009. Uh, and you're on the pitch for Tugge's Screamer. Uh, so what was it like to play in those matches in the Steel City? That was incredible. I mean, I think when you look at the uh, the atmosphere and the build-up of those games, I think it was um, yeah, a really, really special occasion. Um, I think the... Uh, he said to do the double over them. I mean, there's there's uh, two sort of very strong memories I have. Was the the Friday before we played in uh, in Bramall Lane. My wife called because our um, 
my son was uh, was getting ready to be born, so uh, we had to to manage that. She was getting ready to go into labour, and the game was kicking off at twelve thirty. So um, we managed to. Uh, she well, thankfully, Amy managed to hold off. So I stayed for the <laughs> night in Sheffield, played the game Saturday, and then as soon as the game finished, raced to the uh, raced back to the hospital. Um, but we were, you know, we were fortunate. He wasn't born till till three o'clock in the morning. So you know, I ended up having a bit more time to my thoughts. <laughs> oh wow, that's a that's quite a dramatic day for you then. That was incredible. I mean, really special to to do the double over. I think it was the first time that that Wednesday done the double in ninety years or something. So it was uh, that was it was probably the the proudest moment of of my time at Sheffield was to to have that and to be a part of of that. So I think it's uh, it's something that I definitely look backward with very fond memories of. Awesome, that's great. And um, I, we were talking about this in the podcast last week about kind of uh, how do. You, how do you uh, judge like the rivalries? I know obviously there's a lot more history and a bit more kind of years of uh, rivalry and bitterness between the English clubs because they've been going for so long. But um, you've got some uh, some burgeoning rivalries happening in the USL. Uh, do you think like the uh, we spoke to Evan about this too? Do you think the American fans uh, understand the like the rivalries that are kind of embittered between uh, two uh, old clubs like Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday? I think. Um... Definitely, since I've experienced the, the Louisville Cincinnati one, I think that that there's definitely a yeah, we'll say a warming of the tensions between those supporters. I think, <laughs> um, certainly since they they've come into the league, I think there's there's definitely been a yeah, a real development and a, I would say a real rivalry. I think sometimes in the US they they try to create a rivalry where there's you know there's maybe there's a, there's a five or a seven hour difference um i think but when you have the proximity of cincinnati and louisville where being so close um i think and there's there's a natural rivalry there um, with ohio and, and kentucky so um i think that's really taken off that's probably the closest i would say to some of the rivalries that are in england but uh, i i don't think you could quite compare the the um, the cincinnati louisville Rivalry with, we say, the Sheffield rivalry. I think that the Sheffield rivalry has been bent over like a hundred years. So I mean, it'll it'll take some time to be able to catch that up. But I think certainly for a yeah, for a starting point, that that rivalry is is very very good. You know, you know, one thing people don't realize in, in England is, you know, we we play Sheffield United twice, but last season you played FCC four times over the course of the year, right? Three four USL th- matches and yeah. then one cup match. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they get to see each other quite a bit, and uh, it's it's definitely different. And I'm sure with all the history back in England, there's um, it, there's no comparison really. But um, I'll tell you this much: I really dislike FCC, and I know you can't comment <laughs> on that, James. But um, that's that's my own opinion. There. I can vouch for that too, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, I, mean, uh, I think it was. Uh, it was nice to beat them the last time, so you know. Hopefully, we can do the same this year with them. They'll be stronger this year for sure. Yeah, they're making some big signings, and I saw you guys made made a few as well. So uh, it looks like things are progressing well. Uh, so I guess I, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned that the the derbies being some of your fondest memories. Do you have any other ones that um, stick out in your mind from your time in Wednesday? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, that was certainly the the uh, I would say the the most pleasing aspect. I think beating Sheffield United, I think doing the double over them was was great. I think the biggest disappointment was was the relegation, and that was something that that still haunts me now. If I'm being honest, um, I think that was probably something that you look at and you, you try to learn as much as you possibly can from. So, um, I think there was a, there was a high with the. Uh, we're doing the the, uh, the double over Sheffield United and then a major disappointment and in, um, in obviously getting relegated that year. So I think there's been lots of lessons that I've been able to learn from that experience and try to take into uh, into management and try to uh, to use it as a, as an overall positive learning experience. Yeah, definitely. So um, you know, if we shift our focus over here to to the USL season. It's definitely a grind, isn't it? You know, you play in the U.S. summer. It's pretty warm, uh, especially when you get into the South. And so, I, I guess I'm just curious what what some of your keys to maintaining the consistency is throughout that grind. You know, there there are a lot of times, or especially at Louisville, you have some guys that go play internationally as well uh, throughout that stretch. So, how do you stay fresh and, and keep things moving in the summer? I think preseason is is probably the most underrated part of of any um I would say soccer team. It's, it's the most important part of the year. I think you you need to build base fitness. You need to get a good foundation. You need to do a lot of injury prevention work. Um, so it's it's something we pay a lot of attention to. Um, I think especially as you say in the summer throughout the US, you know Midwest, you, you get a lot of humidity. You go south, you get a lot of humidity. So again, it's trying to try to manage those uh, those games that are in the in the really extreme heat. I know we played New York last year and it was it was a four o'clock kickoff. I think it was touching ninety degrees or touching a hundred degrees. Um, so you, you get games like that on turf that are, are very difficult to, and I think mentality comes into play as well and, and people's desire. So um, I think that's something that we've um, we we've tried to embark on as we've we started off here now ago. It's Joseph Fesk and Irishman as well. That's not something you really enjoy playing in, James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was smiling. I mean, Evan, when you're, you're saying you get, you know, it gets a little bit warm in the summer. I thought that's just pretty, pretty big. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when you look at the heat that gets here. I mean, I felt at times last year we were, you know, the sun was five inches away from my head. It was so hot, you know. <laughs> incredible the heat sometimes i think you get the yeah, the blistering heat especially here with the humidity it can get it can get stifling at times yeah i haven't made it out to um louisville yet but uh, i promised everyone will go uh to a, to a game soon so uh, hopefully get over and see you guys yeah that'd be great now we've got uh we've got some big games coming up and we'll have the the brand new stadium in 2020 which will be incredible i mean there's there's massive plans here with the uh, the redevelopment of the the Butchertown area, and there's a a 45 million stadium that's going to be there, which will be ours, which is be that'll be incredible. So we're we're all geared towards making uh, making that take over. Yeah, that was actually something I wanted to bring up because um, you know something we talk a lot about amongst ourselves is just the difference in uh, I guess fan bases from England to the United States, and obviously soccer is is a much uh, younger sport here and I'm curious what your take is on the just the growth of the game in the United States and, and what the supporters have been like I know that they were um, they were very influential in getting that support for the new stadium they've really a huge a huge role in this I think that they've shown 
sort of tremendous passion throughout our time. Um, I think that there's a real core group that really go um, and support the team and are very vocal in that support in the community, whether it's at games or whether it's at a march or, you know, we had a lot of um, meetings with the with the Metro Council and they came out in, in real numbers and, and showed their, their support both uh, online and in person. So I think uh, for us, it's it's we feel very fortunate to have so many people that are, are committed to supporting the team and um, it's just... It's been fantastic the way the community have uh, have received and accepted us. So, uh, James, we had uh, Steve Cook on the uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he's obviously just taken charge of the uh, Oklahoma Energy, and he said he really wants to play you guys in the final. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Cookie there the weekend because we were obviously in in Florida. So, um, yeah, great lad. I mean, I'm delighted to see him get an opportunity yet. At Oklahoma, so yeah, I mean, it'd be fantastic to to get to the final and to play Cookie. That'd be that really would. It'd be incredible. So uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed we can both both have a strong season and, and make that happen. Yeah, with you guys, uh, Steve, and uh, obviously Sean McCauley as well at Portland. Uh, there's a good uh, Wednesday contingent over here. We want to, I want to get John Harks back in the, uh, the management fold. I'm not sure what um, he's up to at the moment. Do you um, yeah, talking to John a few months ago? He's, he's um, yeah, I think he was, he was obviously disappointed the way things had, had worked out from Cincinnati. He had a, a very strong year there, I felt, as well. I mean, he, they finished third in the league and, you know, I thought he, he was doing a good job there. But I think for, for whatever reason, it didn't quite quite work out there. Yeah, yeah he was, was actually fun. the only thing that made me even a little bit compassionate for for FCC and as soon as they <laughs> let him go, everything went out the window for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's a nice guy. Yeah, good. Are, are there other players that you still keep in touch with? You get to, to chat with some of the old teammates? I haven't spoken. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I keep an eye. I know Steve Watson's just been appointed at, at Gateshead there just before Christmas. Um, I used to travel in with, with Watto. Um, we both used to live on the other uh, side of Manchester. So, um, I saw he's been. He was the assistant Macclesfield, and he was he's gone to Gateshead as the as the manager. Um, so. I mean, I think you, you always look at players you played with um, and you you try to see how they're doing and uh, you hope that they're, they're getting uh, the success that they, uh, they're striving for. Good stuff. So um, just a couple more questions here, but but the one that you know I think is the, the biggest question here in the United States is the, the issue of promotion and relegation. Um, you know, you guys, you finished first in the East and then you won the Cup. You know, you, you were the USL champions. But next year you're you're still playing in USL, which nothing against USL. I love the league and I think the management does a great job. But you know you you get the cup, you get great publicity, etc. But there's no reward of promotion. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, coming from England and to to here where there's no promotion relegation. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great question. I think for us when I, I look at the um the three years that we've been here, I think when you look at the the combined standings, we finished second three times. Um, so that would obviously be three automatic promotions. Um, so it's it's definitely not lost on me, I can assure you. Um, I think when you you look at the uh, the system in Europe that we're, we're from, where you're used to to promotional relegation, I think. Um, my hope is that it does get introduced um, in America. I think. If I'm being honest, I think 
potentially USL with the, the second and third division status. I think that there may be an opportunity for them to to try to implement it. Um, that'll be very interesting to see whether they keep that as second division and third division separately or whether they try to, to introduce promotion and relegation. Um, I think the issue with MLS, it's, it's almost akin to the Premier League only. They get to uh, to run their own league, and they're not necessarily part of the football league. And I think historically, when you look at the uh, the sports here, you look at the the major league sports. There's there's no promotion relegation in any sport. It's it's treated purely as a business. Um, you enter the the major league to become a business partner, um, and like we all know, when you're in business, you don't want to put any any finances at risk, and, and that's the one thing that relegation. I think brings is is financial risk. Um, I think certainly when people look at the uh, the system in in Europe, and uh, I know a lot of the owners would would think that it's a, it's a crazy system. Um, I think the piece that they're missing, I think, is you know if you're fighting relegation and you manage to stay up, it brings a lot of excitement, and it can also it can also increase revenue opportunities because you have a possibility of uh, of getting bigger crowds when there's massive games and there's bigger games. I think you know, too often in, in the MLS, there's, there's teams that can't make the playoffs and still have multiple games to go, and, and those games become, in essence, meaningless. Um, and I think if you look at if you look at the European system, it's you know a lot longer before you you, you come across a meaningless game. You know teams are generally fighting for relegation, fighting off relegation, or fighting to get promoted. Um, so I think it's something that will be introduced. It's just how they go about trying to introduce it. Um, I think it was it was very interesting to me to see that the the MLS had been offered. I think it was four four billion dollars from a. Uh, a marketing company um, that were, were interested in buying the rights to uh, to MLS, but then introducing a promotional relegation system. So my hope is that one day, it, uh, you know, perhaps US Soccer can um, can buy a controlling stake in MLS, buy a controlling stake in in USL, and then introduce a uh, a promotional relegation system and, and sell the rights to uh, to a big marketing company that would be interested in there. Uh, and doing that, I think that would be that would be my hope and vision. It may take ten, fifteen years to uh, to come. Yeah, and it's, I think it's something that's going to continue to be a conversation, especially with the appointment of the new uh, the, the USSF president. Uh, a few people have different uh, opinions on uh, on which way to go with the US, but I think that's definitely going to be an ongoing conversation here in uh, about the pro relegation uh, uh, fight, really, and who wants it and who doesn't want it. Uh, we've got a few silly questions for you to end the interview with. I really do appreciate your time, James. Uh, we actually asked on Twitter some of our followers if you've got any uh, questions for James O'Connor. Um, the first question we have is, did you like your chant? Can you remember the chant that Wednesday fans had for you? Yeah, I can't. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'll repeat on there because it's exactly. quite rude. Yeah, no, it's caught on, actually. It seems to have, that seems to have stuck. I mean, we still get some supporters in Louisville that'll, that'll say it. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was it was great, the Wednesday fans, to uh, have that song. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all good banter. So, uh, it's, uh, if, it's I mean, it's, face, it's a rare football song that is. praises Ginger Hair, so that's one of the good things about it. Uh, it's quite a rude song. Yeah, can't exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just Google it. Google it on YouTube for James O'Connor's chant, and you'll you'll find it pretty quickly. It's glad to hear you liked it, though, James. 
the other thing was, I think it's a great question, this. Uh, what would you have done if you'd scored that overhead kick? I think it was against Brentford in maybe 2012. Can you remember that? Yeah, I, I sure can. <laughs> I think it was, uh, you know, it, it would have been probably the best goal I've ever scored. I mean, I, I was joking with my brother after the game. It was it was something as kids that we used to do regularly. Um, and I, I can still see the surprise on there. Uh, on the manager's face, I think it brought a really smile to his face. He's probably thinking, where does that come from? You know? Um, so, it would have been a very special goal, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, for fans still to be talking about it, like, like five and a half years later, I think that's what, one of the things about Wesley <laughs> fans is great. Is that, I mean, it's about the characters in the game, isn't it, James? And you're obviously a big character for us. And uh, I think the fact that you attempting an overhead kick in the, like, the 12-yard box of the opposition is something that I think the whole cop would have gone nuts for. Uh, yeah, I think to be honest, uh, I think everyone was in disbelief. I think people were scratching their eyes and thinking, "Is that O'Connor?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was good effort, though. It was a great save. It was. I mean, it was. Uh, it was a shame. It really was. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, I, I caught it really sweet. And uh, it's funny, is that I speak to our guys about it a lot. As, as a kid, when you're playing, you, you tend not to. Uh, to think too much, you tend to play with a lot of freedom and just go and express yourself. And then, as you as you get older, you you start to get coached and you get more conditioned. And um, yeah, it, it is. It's incredible how it works out. But yeah, it was it would have been fabulous if it had gone in. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, Lewis Southam, for asking that question. That's a great question. We had numerous people, uh, two or three people, ask um, uh, mentioning that you were a great clapper and did your did your hands hurt from clapping on the pitch so much. This is something I didn't remember so much, but I looked back at some footage and you are often encouraging your teammates by clapping your hands. Yeah, no, I mean, it was something, yeah, it was something that I, I, I sort of would always try and, um, and motivate and, uh, and try and, and push people to their limits even when I was playing. I think I was always trying to, to drive, uh, to drive the team forward. I think it, I wasn't the, you know, the most talented player. I wasn't going to start affecting games you know in a, in, a, in a great way with my talent so for me it was more showing leadership um, and trying to to get the ball to the players that could uh, could really hurt the opposition and try to really drive the team towards getting three points so um, I think my biggest strength was my desire and will to win and um, I think that was certainly something that I was I was very keen to do was to was to win so as a player I would always try and, and push and drive and, and motivate as, as best I could because it, it meant so much to me when I was playing well, I'll tell you yeah, what, you're, uh, you're a fantastic leader, and it's been personally an honor for me to talk to you know, someone from Wednesday history, but also talk to the man that's been uh, leading my favorite club to, to so much success. I, we definitely appreciate having you on and wish you really, really good luck going forward, and I'm looking forward to another uh, great Louisville City season. Yeah, well, look, yeah, you have my number, so just let me know when you're coming down. I can I can sort you out with some tickets. So you know, feel free just to give me a shout, and I'll um, I'll get you some tickets. So it'd be nice to meet you. So let me know for sure. Yeah, great. Uh, Thank you so much. How nice was James O'Connor? Honestly, what an absolute star. So, thanks for listening, guys. This has uh, been the uh, Owls Americast on the Beach edition. We're going to come back, um, hopefully weekly, with more interviews from our past podcasts. We're going to put it out on social. We're going to do a big summer campaign so everyone can uh, hear these fantastic podcasts we've got. 
Uh, next week, it could be a fan, it could be a coach, it could be an ex-player. Who knows? We're not that organised. But just a bit of admin before we go. If you want to find out more about Owls Americas, we are not just a podcast. We are a group that brings Wednesday fans together across the Americas. We have supporter groups, we have city reps, and you can find out all about us on owlsamericas.com. You can also buy a little bit of merch. We've got some t-shirts, we've got beach towels for the summer, and we've got our supporter groups getting new merch online every week this through summer. So give us a shout out and uh, find us on owlsamericas.com. You can find us also on Twitter at owlsamericas. You can find us on Facebook at Owls Americas. You can find us on Instagram at Owls Americas. You can find me at Paddy A. Jones or at New York Owls. Thanks for listening and we'll be with you very soon. Bye. Bye.